Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free time. Got to get that in there. Uh, well, not much of a special introduction this time around, uh, because it's time for us to introduce another special edition of Elwood City Limits. Thank you for joining us once again on this little bit of an off week. My name is Will Young, and Lucas Mancini, I'm on vacation right now. That's right. When you're listening to this, Will's going to be on island time, because he's <laughs> vacation all I ever wanted. Vacation had to get away. You're going to be somewhere in the Cayman Islands sitting back and the listeners will be none the wiser because you have this episode to listen to that's absolutely what i'm going to be doing yes that's right we've got a couple of uh, collections of just our uh, uh just our little ramblings here including uh, a couple of shots from our uh, uh previous guest evan stoney you're going to be hearing him once again talking about all kinds of things we're talking about rap we're talking about uh professional wrestling we're talking about cartoons all that good stuff. Month. I don't remember any of it, so I'll be excited to listen to it myself. I didn't either until I kind of went back to it. But, of course, after last week's uh, dalliance of an episode, Zabuma Dudes getting on the f- getting on the feed, uh, we didn't think it was appropriate to read Arthur-related emails on the uh, Never Before, Never Again episode of Zabuma Dudes. But I want to make that clear with this episode. Disclaimer. This is not a Zaboomafu podcast. No, it was it... April 1st. Hopefully you figured that out yourself. And apologies to anybody else who's like, man, I wish they kept doing Zabooma dudes. If Maybe if we ever get on Patreon or something or <laughs> become a part of the Max Fun Network, that will be our extra is another episode of Zaboomafu dudes. I, I will say this. Unless we start getting paid for it, Zabooma <laughs> dudes will never happen again. <laughs> I'm not going to delete I'm not going to delete the image file <laughs> but it's never happening again. So we just have a couple of emails to go through. Apologies if you emailed us in the last week wondering what what the heck was up with Zabuma dudes. Uh but we will get to those emails uh into next week. Please please try not to uh, blow up our spot on the Gmail. So these were received at elwoodcitylimits@gmail.com. We'll go through them just really quickly here. Uh hey guys, my name is Jen. And I'm currently a freshman in college. Arthur was my lifeblood as a kid. That and Between the Lions. Oh, want, my goodness. Is that want, the one where they're, they're the, librarians? Yes, and they're like puppets. Yes. I did I did uh, watch that one back in the day. It's how I learned the allegory of, like, the chicken and the, the chicken feed and the boat. There was an episode of Between the Lions what? where they talked about there's a, there's a riddle where it's like you have a boat and you have uh-huh. a chicken and chicken feed and like a wolf that'll eat the chicken. And it's like you have to okay. get them from point A to point oh, B. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I learned that from Between the Lions. That's essentially the only thing I remember about that show, though. I remember that fire theme song. Come in between the lions. Oh, I don't even remember that. Oh, it's really good. I remember getting confused because the puppets kind of looked like the puppets from the Don't You Put It In Your Mouth commercial. It kind of did, yeah. So I always wondered if like there was crossover between Mm, those universes. In an earlier episode, you mentioned you were allowed to watch Power Rangers. You were allowed to watch Power Rangers as a kid. 
she might have meant weren't here. Uh, Lucas, did you say you weren't allowed to watch yeah, Power Yeah, I wasn't allowed to watch Power okay. Rangers. I definitely was. I had something similar. I wasn't allowed to watch Dragon Ball Z. Uh, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't let. Uh, depending on their age, I probably wouldn't let a kid watch Dragon Ball Z. No, there's a, uh, once they're kind of into like the seven, eight, nine range, like it's fine. I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, as long as it's like we're talking like tsunami Dragon Ball Z, not Adult Swim Dragon Ball Z. Maybe closer to eight than seven. Yeah. The more I think about it, there's there's some like we're not talking uncut Dragon Ball Z. Like, sure. Uh, like I watched the terrible. The terrible uh, pioneer dubs mm-hmm. from which are like completely bloodless. Mm-hmm. So even, but they're I also can see some. Their, I can see their parachutes. They're okay. There's some, uh, let's say, comic mischief per se, especially in like Dragon Ball and stuff yeah. that may not be violence based, but just a little bit edgy. But, for dra- a young but Dragon kid. Ball also had kind of a sanitized uh, d- uh, dub for younger kids mm. as well. That's why I never watched it first. I thought it was just like, you Dragon... Well, actually, I've never watched all of Dragon Ball, only a couple of episodes, because I was like, no, I like Dragon Ball Z where they actually fight, but I didn't get it. It was all about the adventure in Dragon <laughs> Ball. I was a stupid kid. That's why I didn't watch Samurai Jack when I was younger, because oh I was goodness. a stupid kid. Anyway, she's writing to tell us that she's really been enjoying her... Uh, the podcast due to some stuff that happened when I was younger Jen says I've always struggled with a bit of agoraphobia so walking to classes or to the store can be a little stressful for me when I'm walking by myself your podcast has made the walk a lot less frightening and I want to thank you for that love it when uh, we can help people out like that Uh, she left us a review on the iTunes store thank you very much Jen we really appreciate that hope you guys have a great day oh my goodness well that just made my day so thanks Jen absolutely Uh, we got one here from Hunter uh, the episode of Arthur that we were talking about recently brought up the subject of emergency substitute teachers. He had a u- unique story to tell. In eighth grade, he went to his math class, and the teacher wasn't there. So his class assumed that she was running late. But once 10 minutes goes by, we were all scared because, one, we didn't have a teacher, and, two, the security officer who worked at our school walked by our classroom, and we all panicked. Luckily, by third period, we had a substitute teacher. I thought the old wives' tale was that if your teacher doesn't show up for 10 minutes, you can just leave. Mm, Didn't that, you ever hear that back yes, in the day? Yes, it always was. And we, and we, I also think principals have said the otherwise, like, that is absolutely not true. <laughs> I don't know where you guys heard that, but... Uh, I don't know either. I was always operating under the logic that, okay, we got 60 more seconds for this teacher to show up and I'm out of here. That's right. P.S. While the Ms. Ratburn Planet of the Apes reference seems to come out of nowhere, like an RKO, I have a theory about it. Buster thinks Ms. Ratburn can't be any worse than Mr. Ratburn, but Ms. Ratburn is worse, indicating false hope. Uh, Hunter, Hunter, I pre- we do appreciate the email, but I gotta say uh, that the the syntax left a little bit to be desired. There was something lost in the translation. I think I see what you're where where you're getting from, but it's a little it's a little foggy if you take my meaning. I think my issue with it, just to be more plain, is that so it's obviously a Planet of the Apes reference. Except the point of the Planet of the Apes scene isn't that the Statue of Liberty is like a different person. Yeah, it's that it was Earth all along, and yeah. and. So the apes blew up the Statue of Liberty or something like that. But <laughs> you don't know when, either. when Buster sees the Statue of Liberty and it's Mr. Rapper's sister, that makes no sense in the context no, of it's... like the original seed of Planet of the Apes. Like, is this a planet of the Rapperns? But even that doesn't make any sense because the Statue of Liberty is supposed to be from before there was apes. I, I don't know. The less said about it, the better, I guess. I think so. This one's from Anna. Hey, guys. Love the podcast, all that kind of stuff. I was amazed there were so many people out there in my age range that still love Arthur as much as I do. But as Tumblr has proven, there's a lot of them out there. Yes, as Tumblr has proven, there's a lot of a lot of people out there. 
Oh <laughs> no! I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah. It's just like you can find fandoms for like anything. It's true. In the episode where you featured Arthur's family vacation, you asked for a car trip story. I have a car trip story featuring your home country of Canada. Ooh! Last March, a friend of mine and I drove to Quebec City, never having oh, been to beautiful Canada. Beautiful city. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to Quebec City? Well, oh, yeah, totally. Oh my god, Quebec City is amazing. Hope they got some bagels. They never having been to Canada and wanting to check it out. And I bet you they call it Quebec, not Quebec. So I, I do that sometimes, That's too. Right. I'm sorry. It's a QU, so you know what? You're totally fine. We loved it, but for some reason it didn't occur to us that it would be colder in Quebec than it was in our home state of Connecticut. Our first night there, it rained, which wasn't a big deal, until we came outside the next morning and discovered the car's wheels had frozen to the ground. It took a couple hours of us chipping at the ice with a shovel and the help of a friendly delivery man to get us out again. We mostly thought it was funny, though. I have a picture of my friend drinking coffee and pointing and laughing at me while I'm trying to get the car out. Out. Great friends. It's an awesome story. That is a cool story. Now for my little Arthur story that I thought you guys might find amusing. I was a huge Arthur fan as a kid, mostly because I didn't have cable, so PBS was where it's at. PBS is where it had to be at. Hashtag the struggle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had a puzzle depicting a scene from Arthur's birthday, and I remember being six or seven and setting the puzzle out and proudly proclaiming to my grandma that I knew every character's name. I then set about pointing at each character and telling her their name until I came to Fern. I think at this point she hadn't been named in the show yet so I had no idea what her name was but I felt like I had to bluff in front of my grandma so I went Arthur Buster Francine uh doggy dog face Muffy only a few days later she I was- downloaded doggy dog faces a uh, new mixtape off Datpiff the other day it's pretty solid it's that D-O-double-G why uh, only a few <laughs> days later she was named on the show to this day 20 years later even though I'm sure my grandma has long forgotten this it still annoys me that I didn't really know every character's name in front of my grandma me too well it doesn't annoy me that you didn't know but it, that sounds like something that would annoy me too love the podcast keep it the good work from Anna what could she do? She didn't want her grandma to know she was a liar. Didn't want her to go down. Didn't want to go down like a punk. Exactly. And finally, we have one from Hannah. Hey guys, just wanted to write in and share my appreciation for the podcast. Thank you very much. Found it through the Arthur subreddit, and I'm so glad they did. By the way, shout out to everybody who has been talking us up on Reddit. That is big news. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, I'm 24 from Chicago. Ooh, Shy City represent. That's right. From Quebec City to another city I love. This one I actually haven't been to, so I'm a little bit of a poser. Chicago Chicago's one of my places in America I really want to go to. Chicago is like, it's in the top three of places I want to visit in the world, so... Cool. Uh, gotta love, gotta love Chicago. And grew up with Arthur. It was always my favorite show. I'm stoked to have come across other like-minded people. So are we. I've listened to every episode so far. I especially love the latest Double Gee as you were talking about the episode with Mr. Ratburn's sister. I was seriously just thinking of how we were taught the multiplication tables in elementary school, but it was just rote memorization. It really dawned on me that yes, back then I could tell you that eight times seven equals fifty-six, but I wouldn't have been able to tell you why eight times seven. <laughs> Equals 56. I don't know. I thought it was funny. Well, there you go, Lucas. Uh, you get a little bit of credence to your theory. Getting a little philosophical mm-hmm. about education theory on the Elwood City <laughs> Limits podcast. Also, as far as the teddy bears you guys were discussing, my go-to was actually my Arthur doll. I had both the one in the yellow sweater and blue jeans and one with, that wears his blue pajamas. I still have them. Okay, well, that's all. Just want to let you know that you guys are awesome, and that's Hannah. Thank you, everybody, for the emails. Wanted to make sure that we got those out there. Oh, 
Oh, also one more thing. Uh, we got a message on Tumblr that I really wanted to share with you real quick. It's from Let's Talk Cartoons. So remember a couple of episodes ago when DW got lost in the mall and we and there was a thing about earrings turning your ears green. And we thought, yes. So we thought maybe that was an urban legend, but they said, the thing about earrings will turn your ears green is actually kind of an old school concept from back when they didn't have hypoallergenic silver. Basically, if you got some really cheap ass silver earrings, they would be cut with copper, which would make your ears turn green. So I guess Emily got some really cheap knockoff earrings or something. So there you go. Learning something here on Elwood City Limits. Thank you, Let's Talk Cartoons. Yeah, very educational. I wonder if they were still doing that in the 90s or if it's even kind of a more antiquated thing from when the writers were kids. I wonder. That's a good question. I'd have to look into that further. Thank you, everybody, for the emails and the Tumblr questions. Uh, of course, uh, you can find us through Facebook, Twitter, uh, Tumblr. And uh, and through email, uh, we, we've spoken enough at this point. Let's let's get to the uh, the Elwood the ECL extras. I just want to note here that uh, uh, a couple of these, since these were recorded off the air of the podcast, have a bit of strong language. So, uh, kids, if you uh, if you're uh, underage and you listen to our podcast. You've heard these before, like uh, you've heard these before in school. I just want to tell you that if your parents are in the room, if you listen with your parents, hi, parents, we don't we don't approve of your children listening to swear words, not ours. They learn it on the school grounds and then they learn how to use it better from listening to us. So go. So teach them what the swear words are, then come back and we'll fill in the con the cultural context. Are you OK, Will? <laughs> See, he's he's in he's already on island time, ladies and gentlemen. He's he's getting ready to be wasted away in Margaritaville. So, and, and that's why I don't do the intros. <laughs> anyway, what I'm trying to say is a bit of strong language in these ones. If that doesn't offend you, then keep on listening uh, for some Elwood City Limits extras, and we will be back next week. Again, the episodes are "I'm a Poet" and "The Scare Your Pants Off Club." We'll see you then. Cheeseburger in Paradise. I'm, I'm running out of Jimmy Buffett songs to reference. Good. <laughs> I miss video games. I miss my mom. <laughs> I, I miss video games. I, I, I miss my mom. <laughs> Electro 2. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, what was the guy called? The Like the, the male character in Teen Girl Squad? Not the one they had a crush on, the the one they didn't like. Brett Bredersen? Uh, oh, oh. Brett Bredersen. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, Tompkins. Tompkins. Ah, peas, Momkins. <laughs> God, I gotta go back and watch all those. Okay, so like one of the funniest things <laughs> that like I could barely ever get out because it makes me laugh so much is when it's the like the little teen girl squad and they're in uh, like preschool or something. It's just like, oh yeah, well my house has a hundred bathrooms. <laughs> Don't you mean your mom's house? Don't you mean one bathroom? No, it's my house. It's a hundred bathrooms. Shut it off. <laughs> I was reading an article, I think it was either last week or the week before, um, oh my God. about like a retrospective on Homestar Runner. Yes, I the, think Homestar, the, oral, the oral history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Homestar Runner, like, it's such a pure form of comedy. I hold Homestar Runner and like MST3K in very similar regards because MST3K less so in terms of being clean, but Homestar Runner is like pure 
snarky humor, but it's like totally appro- like PG and clean. Yeah. And I just find it so hilarious. Like so many of the jokes at Homestar Runner I think about all the time. Strong Bad sleeping on his couch just naming random Super Nintendo games. Oh, Axe Razor. Oh, Contra Super C. That's like the funniest thing in the world to me. Man, you guys check this Arthur episode. Oh man, wow. Arthur! Ar- so I accident—I—I'm Will Young, and I accidentally watched the film Arthur and the Invisibles instead of—and then I watched the film Arthur starring Russell Brand. Russell Brand, and that's a really bad movie. That's a truly horrible remake. Sorry, sorry. Keep going, Evan. It's a truly horrible remake that I think is embarrassing to cinema as a whole, and it's embarrassing to Russell Brand's career. Even it's embarrassing. Oh, I, I fucking hate Russell it's, Brand so much. I, I people like people like sharing that video of him talking about politics like he okay. uses big words yeah and it's like oh Russell Brand's yeah. so smart if you actually listen to what he's saying like he's not saying anything uh, unique yeah. or insightful right. he's just being like oh I don't vote why would you vote like fuck yeah. off Russell I don't really like him for his political views but I like him just as a personality I think, I think he's funny he's I'll very also quick. Ne- I'll sometimes never he has for- like really quick jokes like I'll never forgive what he did to Katy Perry Oh, my God. My girlfriend used to cry every time in that Katy Perry documentary. What did he do? Um, he broke up with her. Are you kidding me? They were getting In that Katy Perry um, tour documentary, um, he, uh, there's a part where she's, like, crying because Russell Brand broke up with her. Yep. Savage. I really should watch the movie. Um, oh, what's that fucking movie called? Uh, Tales from the Hood. Have you ever heard oh, of yes. Tales from the Hood? No. I feel like that whole movie fits my aesthetic perfectly because, like, my favorite thing in the world is in the Up in Smoke tour when the giant skull comes from the ceiling and asks if anybody's smoking that endo. Do you have any smoke? It's like this skull, and it's like I love that like semi supernatural West Coast shit. I think oh, yeah. it's hilarious. Yeah. How's it going? Um. Hey. Evan, what you have for breakfast this morning? Oh, I'll tell you, I had a sausage biscuit. <laughs> hey, get some. Oh man, that's that's my terrible routine. Oh, what's your KDR right now? What's your what's your Tim roll up the rim KDR? Zero oh, and two. Zero oh, and two. Yeah. I'm having my best month ever right now. I'm one I'm one in three, which doesn't sound that good. Yeah, but, but usually I'm zero oh and six by now yeah. at this point. I have really so. bad luck with it. I made that a bit like just how bad my luck is with it. Oh, oh no! I'm so I'm yeah I'm so happy about my one and three. I've never yeah. had this good of people. I don't people on Facebook. These white girls playing like they're three and three. Like fuck mm. off! <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Thousand is when it came out, so nobody ever talks about it. Oh, it, oh, it wasn't like a. It wasn't a big hit or anything. Oh, but it wasn't like a WWE thing. No, it was just like The Rock. That's this was like, two thousand. Would that have been pre Scorpion King? Right. I'm not sure. But uh, it's pretty, pretty good. It's all about Wycliffe Jean's explaining why he should be let into the club. And The Rock is explaining that it doesn't matter how many fresh Bentleys you bought or it, it doesn't matter how many Grammys you have. And then there's a point in the video where Wycliffe Jean gets into an altercation with the gentleman that he accidentally stole his girl. But then The Rock comes and backs him up and he lays the smack down, does the full look up into the sky. The whole nine yards. So uh, that was that was peak rock popularity, wasn't it? Ah, uh, no, I would say now it was peak rock popu- popularity. He's the highest paid male actor in Hollywood right now. I guess I should say maybe I mean to say peak rock overness. 
Sure. Into in, in in terms. You know of what? I'll actually else. correct myself. That was peak rock popularity. This right now we're living in Dwayne peak Dwayne Johnson, Johnson popularity. Dwayne. Yeah. Du- um, Dwayne. <laughs> Dwayne. And then in the recommended videos for that. I saw a video I hadn't seen in a very long time, Gravel Pit by the Wu-Tang Clan. Have you ever seen the music video for Gravel Pit by the Wu-Tang Clan? No, I haven't. The Wu-Tang Clan gets into an elevator, and they press all the buttons at once because they can't. They argue about which floor they have to go to, and then the Method Man accidentally presses the button for 20,000 B.C., and the Wu-Tang Clan go back into time, and they're in a literal gravel pit with all these really, really awful CGI late 90s dinosaurs. I think I've heard you talk about this before, but uh, yeah, I've never seen and this. And they're, they're all dressed like they're in that live action Flintstones movie. It is amazing. Everybody has alternate old timey names. So, for instance, Ghostface Killer is no longer Ghostface Killer, he's Bobby Boulders. And they, they show it in the subtitles. Very, it's it's some special stuff. I, I implore you to look it up. Okay, gravel pit, got it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Okada was quoted as saying afterwards, um, he said, it's the first wrestling match in my career where I thought I was going to die. Yeah. Yeah, it's a crazy bump or something. Uh, yeah, it's a, yeah. yeah. Yes, a very, very crazy bump. I read into the, I read into the winners, but uh, for me, I'm... Most interested in uh, what's happening, um, what's happening in between. So it, that doesn't really mm. ruin the experience too much for me. Did you hear about New Year's Dash at all? Because New Year's Dash, yes. like, like Dave Meltzer says, uh, Wrestle Kingdom's where all the good matches happen, and then New Year's Dash is where all the big angles to New set Year's, up the rest New of the Year's year. New Year's Dash is the Raw after exactly. WrestleMania. No, yeah, I did. And uh, that was, I mean, people have been calling that for a while, but uh, all the same. I'm, I'm a I'm a huge, huge Minoru Suzuki fan, mm. and but I but I haven't followed his Noah not enough to follow him to Noah, so I'm very excited to have him back. I already had some good title matches in Noah. Um, people um, people like people like kind of follow. We're just like yeah, Suzuki Gun's getting a little a little tired, even like in Noah because of course it was just constant. Mm-hmm. So hopefully this will be injecting new life into the kind of I mean. If, sometimes I wonder if we're running the course of the uh, stable warfare thing. Oh, with law. Well, well, I should say Lij is so fresh. Oh, I should say that. Uh, well, actually, really, the biggest problem I have is with the was with the Bullet Club Bullet and Club. how incredibly stale they are, versus something like Lij, which has not run its course yet. It is still very hot, and they've totally <laughs> preceded the Bullet Club in terms of like one, po- like most, po- po- most like popular. The most yeah, well, not only most popular, but they they have all the belts, so like they kayfabe yes. have superseded yeah. them. Yeah, you're right. But also, well, they, they, well they, they they did until New Year's Dash. Oh, who? who uh, uh, it was Tana. It was the six man? No, yeah, it was yeah, six man. It was. I, uh, it was t- uh, Tanahashi, uh, Nakanishi, and Taguchi. Okay. It's like this random six man. It's like ah, uh, kind of wish kinda that wish. ruins the story a little bit. Um, yeah, I kind of wish they could have kept them. But and also their merch is like selling like crazy, crazy. Yeah, for real. I love it. I used to hate Naito. I used to be one of those guys where like I just didn't like it, like as good of a wrestler yeah, as he you, was and as solid as fundamentals are. You you hated the star. You hated the Stardust Genius Naito. Yeah. Smiley, like there I'm gonna do some flips. No, there wasn't much to him. Like um, even even me, who's like very forgiving of. Uh, 
kind of white meat baby faces. Like there was just nothing there to him. It's, his matches weren't particularly compelling. But it's, his new character is brilliant. It is so original and unique. Um, and it's one of those things where like a truly great wrestler aside, like the, I think the most important component of a wrestler um, is charisma because you could be a terrible worker and if you have charisma, I still want to see you. Or you could be a terrible promo and if you still like, I think charisma is the thing that defeats all. Yeah. And the it's the, what sells tickets. The little things that Naito does, like the tiny little mannerisms, mm-hmm. are so brilliant. Like there's there's so like you look at it and you're like, oh my god, like this is like how you become like a massive massive star. It's it's the little things he does, and then there's the big things like throwing the belt in the air and he it, yawns on his way. It's in. crazy like, that he had it in him because well, and it and for me. It's awesome because it's a character that makes sense to me because it was um, kind of a middling tag team wrestler who then became like the next up and coming, the stardust genius. Like a few years ago, he had the match at Wrestle Kingdom with Muda where it's like he lost, but it was still like he is on the same level as the great as Keiji Muto and then, you know, gave him everything. We gave him the. G1, we gave him like New Japan Cup, all this kind they of stuff. They tried to give him the main event. They tried to give him the main event, and then it's just like, it just didn't take, and then like the good guy who was pushed this far was eventually like the gifted kid in elementary school, then he gets into high school and he's like, fuck this. <laughs> like he's so he's so talented, but then he just stops caring, and he becomes an underachiever, and that's when yeah. he goes even further because he doesn't care about pleasing people anymore. I think it's awesome. Yeah, and it's, 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 so, cool, it's, so, it's such a cool character. It's so relatable, and it's interesting to see how, you know, because I've seen the character kind of compared in a way to, uh, Steve Austin, because especially the way he's very critical of uh, of uh, Kidani and the way that uh, New Japan is run, and uh, it's very interesting to see how the Japanese audience is responding to what their version of a Stone Cold character would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's super over. It's it's and it's like it's it's not as in your face as like a late '90s Stone Cold was. Well, it's, it's more like quiet, but. Like, quiet, reserved, but also very, like, comes across as lazy. Like, yeah, lazy but talented. It's, it's subtle. It's it's a really subtle thing. But also there's a cool factor to, like, the whole the group as a whole. Oh, LAJ like, is they, they, so they, cool. They look like they jumped out of Let It Die. Like, Sonata <laughs> yeah. with the mohawk and the baseball and bat. E- and Evil and... looks like Uncle Death. <laughs> well, yeah, quite literally, I guess. Yeah. It's awesome. The and, Bushi fan club. And uh, um, Takahashi. Fits in perfectly well. I thought, th- thought that was a little out of left field, but it's like he's also kind of an oddball, and I think that that works really well. And it, yeah, just up against like the Bullet Club, who is as stale as you can get, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, but with the with the exception of the elite, I agree with you. I think I think the elite. I I still to the I still, and I I I recognize that I have a much higher tolerance than most, but I still get a kick out of the Young Bucks friggin' hijinks. Coming to the ring with the PWG belt, the ROH belt, the junior tag belts, and then their own custom super kick belts. Mm. Talking about how they want to fight Matt Hardy. Um, I, and talk, yeah, I still get a little kick out of them. Oh, it's, oh don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Kenny Omega and like the Bucks. I enjoy hating them. So they're doing a good job as heels. And I realize that they're like incredibly successful. So I think that uh, they're doing that right. <laughs> They'll be the first to tell you. (laughs) Well, but it it makes sense, though. It's like they are the ultimate, like, I respect them for how well they're able to sell their brand. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Like they were doing basically broken Matt Hardy for years before Matt Hardy was kind of caught in a fire with that. That's not, a good way of not putting ter- it. Not, not in terms of gimmick, and maybe it's just like – I know what you're saying, though. Being but able they, are, they are ubiquitous across all independent wrestling, just as Broken Matt Hardy was in 2016, uh, or, or the latter half of 2016. You, but, but also in the way that they're able to gimmick everything. Yes. Like, everything they do, the second, like, Matt Hardy, the genius of Matt Hardy is that, like, one of the big problems WWE has on a big scale is that when the audience responds to something, they they plant their feet and they go, you got to do it our way. Remember when the Cesaro section first started? Mm-hmm. And they're like, shh. Or like, just like, they'd be like, if something was working with someone, they would try to transfer it to someone else. A big uh, example of that is like the yes chance. And when they tried to give it to Seamus from Daniel Bryan big, by having him beaten. Big, and then big show. And, oh, my goodness. But so um, what Broken Matt Hardy and the Young Bucks are good at doing, almost to a fault because they kind of drive it into the, a ground to, the, to a point, they, is it, that when it, the audience it, responds to something, they capitalize on that as much yeah. as they can. Well, and, and, and the thing is, is that I can't really blame them too much for that because it's just like it hits its natural peak. Like it's it's a thing where you have to constantly evolve it, and yeah. usually when you have something like a gimmick like those, it's about getting them bigger and bigger and bigger, and then they eventually they get too big, and then it's like where do you go from there? You either have to end it, or if you don't want to or are unwilling to, like you keep going, and it just kind of naturally peters out, as all things do. So I mean, the young bucks, the young bucks for me, I'm much happier with them in the role that they are. Like because I, f- I remember a few years ago, like then this is more than a few years ago but when they were like the babyface flippy tag team and I thought, <laughs> I, thought that, I thought that they sucked and then and then it's like okay they're heels and I'm like okay I I like hating them they're like the revival it's like I recognize that they're very talented but they're always put against people that I would rather see win and mm-hmm. I'm I've, like based on their personalities I'm incredibly willing to hate them mm-hmm. that's so. such an interesting comparison too well it's, and, I, I, but I understand totally what you I, what you mean I just think it's a fun juxtaposition because yeah. the revival are sort of the antithesis of everything yeah, the young yeah, bucks yeah. stand for and it's um, like I res- I respect them because I don't like them mm-hmm. if it makes sense because there are because there are other heels that are like you know that have the Kevin Owens problem where it's like no matter how heelish they are people mm-hmm. will cheer them or, or even LIJ even though they're sort of supposed to be yeah. gray area you're, it's he's not really a babyface or they're too a heel cool. they're cool heels they're, but they're like the ultimate cool heels like yeah. everybody loves everybody loves LIJ yeah exactly okay you ready yeah for sure awesome I've been meaning to, to talk to you, and I've been talking. I, 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 I you're, you're, are you in a big rush today? I know it's kind of late for you, probably. Not really. I just wanted to talk to you. I have, I have, uh, I have stuff to do at home when I get back there. So you know, it, but but nothing time sensitive. I just wanted to speak to you really quickly yeah. about um, me and Chris have been talking about this nonstop about what you think is going to happen with the Royal Rumble. <laughs> it has been the most interesting one. In many years, I think, because usually the, their direction is extremely apparent. It's going to be mm-hmm. one of two guys, right? Uh, and this is one of the first times I think it could be one of like three or four or five guys. There's a lot of good outside choice. There's a lot of good outside picks that are, um, I, think the, I think the good thing and probably the thing that they've learned from the last couple of rumbles is that they've built in a lot of reasonable doubt which a lot of the past couple of years had none <laughs> no and really like there was a there was a botch spot comic that i was reading um and it was like uh you know about excitement for the rumble and it was like these two guys on the couch being like oh yeah what if like finn comes back or what if this guy comes up from nxt or like ty dillinger all this sort of stuff and then it's like this 
panel of the last like five years of Rumble winners, and it was like Sheamus, Cena, Triple H, Reigns. Uh, I forget who I'm missing in there, but it was just that time Batista won. Batista, and just like, oh right, the Rumble, the Rumble builds up our expectations only to let them down year after year. But this time, like, I've been trying to think like Vince, because you gotta. And there's still plenty of options if you think the way Vince thinks, right? Yeah. Like, it's either going to be, like, Braun Strowman, Mm -hmm. The Undertaker, Goldberg, or Brock, even though those less so because there's booking reasons. But, like, it's one of those things. And even that in itself is interesting. Or even Triple H or whomever. Like, there's there's multiple options as opposed to one clear option. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of the metagame that people who have been fans for a long time – have to play because it's like my friend is going on about a year of watching wrestling regularly like I kind of got him into it after the rumble last year and so it kind of took a while to explain to him of like you know he had all these things of like this is where they could go and like it seems like they're going here and it's like yes but the real metagame is not thinking about what makes sense (laughs) exactly it's thinking about what they want, which yeah. doesn't always make sense, which is the most infuriating thing. Like, Chris asked me this when I was hanging out with him a couple nights ago, and, like, he does kind of ask me, like, what do you think is going to happen with this? Honestly, like, f- not even – I know that this isn't fantasy booking, but, like, even, like, predictions and stuff is not really an area of conversation that I like to have too much because a lot of times it's like I can see what could be happening. Usually it won't. And usually what does happen is something that kind of slips in between the cracks and is like, oh, I didn't predict that, kind of because I never wanted that sort of thing. And I feel like it leads to disappointment sometimes. So, uh, you know, I only have a couple of feelings about what might happen. Like a lot of my predictions have been like, I think Dillinger's probably in at 10 or or the Miz is in at ten. So, that's what my friend said. He yeah, said, he said the, he said the Miz at number ten and the Dillinger at eleven. I'm like, mm, yeah. or Dillinger's not in the Rumble and the Miz is at ten and he gets all the heat. Oh yeah, that could. That's be. I think that, I think if if Dillinger isn't ten, that's what they're gonna do. Either that or they're insane and that, they'll put a baby face in at ten because I guess Ray they're Mysterio. idiots. That's the thing is that um, <laughs> not to the level like so WWE just uploaded the 2015 Rumble in full. They've been uploading a couple of, like, full-length Rumble Rumbles. matches yeah. on their YouTube, and uh, my buddy was watching it today and kind of giving me his thoughts as it was going on uh, and just remind me of, like, 2014, 15, excuse me, uh, when Brian went out and then the match just to- everybody totally turned on it. I think that Dillinger, if they did that, if they did a bait-and-switch and then, like, he never appeared, I think... Not at the level of Daniel Bryan, but I think it would have the possibility of ruining the match for some people because mm. they love to do this. They lo- I'm making the 10 symbol. They love to do the 10 thing. So <laughs> so they're going to keep doing it. The, and I'm just and I'm just like, might as well just put him in there. I mean, the only other thing he's, he's – the only thing he's got going on is a match with Eric Young on Saturday. And it's like all you need to do is have him win or – well, I guess you could have him lose too, but whatever. And then just – Put him on the main roster because like I don't I don't or I don't, or you know what you don't have to put him on the main roster because I remember the year that Rusev was in I don't think he went to the main roster right after that no I, I don't know but the problem is Will what you're saying makes too much sense exactly um this but th- I think Dave made a good point and this will be the last thing I say about this is that um yeah. uh like in past years like I said there's really been only a few directions that made sense. 
or a few people in the Rumble that people are interested in. Mm. And there's been a lot of filler in the last four years of Rumbles where it's like, okay, so like Bray Wyatt and one of the New Day and like an Uso are in the ring. Like none of these people are winning. Let's wait for a star to show up. And this is one of the first years in a while where the way – if they space out the booking properly, they can have people engaged the entire Rumble. You know, Braun Strowman – Braun Strowman for no matter what. Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman. No matter how I feel about him, um, there's a big likelihood he might win the Rumble. He's a heavy favorite. Considering the way Vince books. And so, like, when Mm -hmm. he's in, you're paying attention. What's happening with Braun Strowman? The same thing goes with whatever Brock and and Lesnar, whatever Brock and Goldberg touch, that's, like, something you kind of want to pay attention to and the way they're booked within the Rumble. And then there's, of course... Samoa Joe could make an appearance, probably not, but like he could show up and do something or, you know, there, then now I'm starting to get into the pie in the sky stuff yeah, that probably won't happen. But what I'm saying is it, it, it'll be engaging in a way that it hasn't before. I'm of the opinion that I think Undertaker will probably win. Okay. Um, that makes the most sense considering that I'm assuming Reigns wins his match and I'm assuming John Cena wins his match. Mm-hmm. And so they need someone to challenge for one of those titles going into WrestleMania. Okay. But, uh, but and Goldberg and Brock are facing each other at WrestleMania no matter what. So mm-hmm. I don't know. So they, I don't think one of them will win. But I think that Undertaker pick is pretty close to the money. If I, I mean, for fans. the other, I mean, the other. The other guesses that could be made, like I, I'm kind of inclined to kind of do that myself. It's a pretty safe bet. Um, the only other couple of things that I'm willing to say are like, well, I was pretty pretty seriously thinking that uh, Balor was going to return, but you know, I saw the news thing yesterday of like they're just kind of scoping him out now to see if he can go back in the ring. So I don't know if that's like a red herring or I don't know what that is, but it's just like now it's not as safe a bet as I thought it was. Um, I don't think he will. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of – I think there's a just as good of a chance of Joe being in the Rumble just of how much of a non-factor he's been on NXT for like the last month. Mm. I think that's very strong. Um, the, uh, the, la- the last thing I'll say is that you're right. You do make a lot of good points about like kind of who could realistically win. Uh, every year, I kind of like to take note of somebody that I think could win and would make a lot of sense. And there is one pick that I think not only, I mean, it makes sense in in the sense that we care about of that, you know, it makes story sense, it makes character sense. But I also think it would make financial sense and it would make sense for kind of future-proofing the company. And that's the New Day. Like a member from it? Because they announced a couple weeks ago on Raw, they were just like, you know, we're all going to be in the Royal Rumble. And it's just like, it's going to be every man for for himself, except for us, because we are all challenging for the title. And so they kind of, they implied the fact that this Freebird rule they use with the tag titles, they're going to use for the singles title, which is, A, what I wanted the Shield to do three years ago. Yeah. And it's like, New Day are your biggest seller well like one of your biggest merch selling sellers. merch movers yeah they are popular with every demographic and you need a like let's just say i mean it's it i don't think this is going to happen but let's just say you want owens to keep the title until mania there's your fa- baby face challengers 
Sure. I I think that's a great idea. I think you're a I'm better, com- a better I'm, booker. I'm not committing uh, yeah. to, I'm not committing to it happening yeah. because I don't think it will. I don't think but it will either. But when one of them is in the ring, it's interesting. That's what uh, you that's know, a, that, that's I could point. see one of them probably Big E going to the final four. Ooh. But I don't think beyond that. Big E is big. It's right in his name. Mhm. Bigatore. I think that's another thing that puts against Balor, even if it did it did return, is he's not that big. I, w- I was talking to my friend about this. He was like, oh, Jericho's going to win because then he's going to face Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. And I said, well, first of all, Kevin Owens is losing his match. Yeah, that's, uh, that's and, most likely. And second of, all, baby, uh, second of all, Jericho's, he's not tall enough. You got to think, you got to think like Vince. Who's sure. big? Braun Strowman, although, The Undertaker. Although if it were up to me, and this will absolutely not happen, it's just like if it were up to me, I would give Reigns the title, turn him the next night, and make him the heel champion for the new day to face. Okay, yeah, sure. Because who wouldn't like that program? Now you can boo Roman Reigns, yeah. and, the, and the New Day's going to style on him for two months. I would love that program. They're never going to turn no, it no, Never, no, never, never. No, 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 no. Uh, if I was picking, I'd, I'd probably have Samoa Joe win, or I'd have, you know, if I'm fucking, if I was booking, I'd, you know, pay the money, get Kenny Omega in. He's making his announcement today. That's right. His like, announcement that he's going to stay in Japan, probably. In, in but, like an hour or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we've talked for 12 minutes about wrestling, <laughs> so let's get to the show. I did want to talk to you about that, though, because I, I have, I've, we've kind of passed each other in the halls these mm. past few days. I didn't get a chance to really pick your brain about it. Well, thank you. I well, love talking about it. Well, thank you for asking. Are you excited to see Goldberg gain a championship opportunity at WrestleMania? Uh, the thrill, what is it called? The ultimate thrill ride. The ultimate thrill ride. Hopefully, he will not be sent to a local medical facility. Are you like two thousand Shivani or something? No, I'm trying to use all of the 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 double speak that they they used lately, where it's like Randy Orton has a crucifix because we can't say crucifix on PD. Is that why they is that why they said it? Yeah. So Brian Alvarez was googling this because he thought you said Randy Orton just messed I, it up. Yeah. And then on the W the front page of WWE.com, it's like Randy Orton has a crucifix. And so Brian Alvarez was like, "What the fuck?" So he googled it. It doesn't exist. Like crucifix isn't a term. Right. Like WWE just made it up because they don't want to say crucifix on PG television. Well, and because it's not a crucifix, because a crucifix has like an actual figure of Christ on it. But there's a crucifix is not a name for that. Like no, it's, exactly. It's, uh, I, thought, I thought you just screwed up saying crucifix. Uh, but also, uh, another thing was back in the Attitude Era, whenever The Undertaker had stuff, they would call it a symbol. A symbol. Like, a the, un- symbol. the Undertaker symbol. That symbol. Um, so, it's just interesting is that this, Randy is... Orton has a crucifix for his... He broke the law to gain his championship opportunity, because they never say title match. They say a championship opportunity. That's right. Also, Brian Alvarez does this voice where he pretends to be um, Dasha or Charlie or one of the girls, where he, he thinks they're robots. Right. And so he'll be like, Dean Ambrose, what did you think about, like... Um, he, like, really, really hates... On their backstage interviewers, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, that, that I'm aware they're, of. They're often winners of Geek of the Week. 